Hello, I'm Angelica Bell and welcome to the sustainability special of The Business Show. I'm going to be chatting to entrepreneurs and sustainability specialists to find out how they've utilised opportunities to grow thriving businesses whilst reducing their emissions. On today's episode, we'll be discussing if now, during one of the UK's worst ever fuel crises, is the time for businesses to make a switch to sustainable logistics solutions. Joining me is Kumi Oludoyi and Ade Papula, the founders of Sorare Technologies. They're a startup overcoming the final mile delivery challenges with autonomous drone and vehicle solutions. Also with us, Professor David Greenwood from Warwick Manufacturing Group, part of Warwick University. So let's get started. It's great to have you all here. It's great to be here. So Sorare is an autonomous technology and delivery service. So can you sort of, in 60 seconds... Give me an elevator pitch of the mission that you're on. Right, right. 60 so, seconds. 60 on the dot. Have, have you got a timer? Got in my head. One. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I won't be too long. I won't be too long. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so um, so Surreal Technologies, we're providing in-house air and ground-based so, uh, logistics solutions for e-commerce fulfillment companies. We provide all the infrastructure that they need to facilitate their own deliveries. So, for example, autonomous delivery drones, electric vehicles, autonomous vehicles in the future. And then um, bike couriers as well. What the aim is to do is to actually provide them with their own logistic solutions to provide the local community with affordable same-day delivery services. We give them a network of collection hubs to essentially allow them to deliver their own goods for their own customers so that they don't have to rely on the on the everyday third-party courier service. Okay, anything you want to add? 10 seconds? That was spot on, to be fair, so that's why. Okay, yeah. you had five, five seconds in hand with that little add-on <laughs> from you, Adam. <laughs> But nice little sum up and interesting, you know, that you came up with this in COVID. Yeah, pretty much. End of COVID. um, Yeah. Pretty much. um, Actually, well, from where it is now, actually, to when we started the the, the Surreal journey. At the beginning, it was actually, actually, we went through quite a few changes in terms of the business model, actually. Mm. Uh, At first, we were thinking, you know, drone delivery as a service. Okay, let's try and go with that you know, type of uh, Uber Eats type of model, right. but instead of the couriers, you'd have the drones. Mm-hmm. Then we were thinking, okay, you know what? Maybe let's not have all this liability on us. Let's just manufacture the drones, sell them. And, and then we're like... Uh, kind of went back to more... Yeah, yeah, yeah. went back to a service because we yeah. realised that there's a lot more potential to... Yeah. Not even just in terms of monetary, but there's a lot more potential even with, I guess, influence that you can have with providing a service. Mm. And more value you mm-hmm. so. Most definitely. Yeah. So. And, and what led you to focus your business mission on sustainability? I mean, for me... I love the way you... It's thought. <laughs> there's a couple, you're, you're there's a couple of reasons. So I'm just, no, just to... caressing your chin there going, hmm, okay, go on. Yeah, I mean, for me, especially for me during university, now what they teach a lot when it comes to engineering is mostly sustainable tech. So oh, right. for my, what I did in third year for my dissertation was all about drones. So for me, this is just kind of continuing in what I was always doing all my life. Right. So um, it was kind of a no-brainer, yeah. I don't feel like it's worth trying to innovate something that's futuristic and not have it be sustainable also, because that's kind of going backwards in a way and probably not worth mm. investing in. It's, it's probably not long-term anyway, so... So in a way, it's sort of an extension of your course and what you were learning. Yeah. You could say yeah. this was like your PhD. Kind of, um, just uh, a lot more business than I'm used to. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move to you, David, because I'd love to hear about your day-to-day at Warwick Manufacturing Group and what your mission is. Do you, do you, do you fancy 60 seconds as well? 
bit of pressure. Really good go, certainly. Off you go. I have two roles here at Warwick. Um, the first is I'm Professor of Advanced Propulsion Systems. What that means in reality is we've got a few hundred researchers here looking at batteries, electrification and autonomous vehicles. Um, and in my other job, I'm the Chief Executive for the High Valley Manufacturing Catapult Centre here. And that means we run a £60 million programme to develop technologies and skills for companies who make things here in the UK. Day to day, what sort of, you know, what does that entail? Day job, it's talking to companies about how we can help them. Um, it's talking to governments about how, trying to get the right policy in place to let companies survive. Um, and it's working with researchers and engineers to get new solutions into the marketplace. Okay, so what is the main reason for businesses looking to update or improve their delivery solutions to reach out to you guys? You know, because, you know, cost cutting, you know, impact reduction, future proofing, you know, are those some of the reasons? I'll firstly highlight um, cost cutting. So especially with the autonomous um, autonomous service, the aim of that is actually to help us lower our own cost per mile. And therefore, when we um, bring on that, that cost to the price that right. the customer will pay, it allows us to lower that price to then make a step forward towards our vision, which is, again, making same-day deliveries more affordable and more accessible for the everyday person. But I would definitely say it would be larger uh, companies that would come to us, especially in the future when we integrate the um, autonomous uh, vehicles into the distribution system. But for now, big and small, um, they can come to us cost cutting. They can come to us to be able to have the chance and the opportunity to take control of their distribution. Um, again, rather than relying on third party couriers, because a lot of fulfillment companies would want to have their own their own distribution, their own control. So yeah. I'd say lastly as well. And um, one thing we offer is like a dedicated ops control center. So with that, they're able to view and oversee all of their logistics operations mm. ongoing, you know, live pretty much from a, from a map like NASA. Type yeah. Where they would, a bit uh, like a film, you know, and you have these boards yeah, they yeah. can see the where different everyone, screens. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously that's extra features, but it's mm. just so that they can um, oversee all their logistics operations and have access to the statuses. Mm. And that would comprise both air-based and ground-based vehicles. So it will all be, you know, on that central location, depending on what's being used. It is quite futuristic. Yeah, it is. For sure. It is, it is. That, that's why we have to start off with um, the, I guess, the e-mobility vehicles at the moment. Have everything, um, the same distribution network, same routes, same systems in place. Build that up with non-autonomous vehicles and then... Once regulations, we've gone through regulations, you know, more autonomous vehicles are widely accepted, tested and out there in the market. And then we can slot them in later down the line. But that's like a, the overall journey from where we are now, I guess, to, to the future, hopefully in five years time. But um, fingers crossed. Get yourself a little plan. Yeah, yeah. From now all the way up. What about you, David? What do you think the main reasons are? So we're mostly working with companies rather than directly with consumers. And the first thing they care about right now is supply chain resilience. It's just the ability to get parts into their factories. Uh, with the problems that we've had around the globe over the last couple of years, lots of them are really struggling to get the, the parts they need out of places like Shanghai just to be able to build cars or to, to build equipment that you and I would buy. Second to that is about cost. Exactly as Adeyi and Kumi said, it's about optimizing the cost, getting it down as far as possible, keeping the cost to the consumer down. And at the end of that, but underpinning it, is the net zero carbon or sustainability agenda. Mm. Uh, but what's quite interesting is when we talk to government, their priorities are the same, but in reverse order. They care first about sustainability and net zero and then around how industry is going to respond to it. Oh, really? Do you think that's the right, right way around? Um, I think it means that companies like us or organisations like us have got a role in translating government policy into industrial action. 
Um, I think it's the right way around for each of them. You know, government has a mandate from us as voters to uh, reduce climate change, and that's how they're trying to push it forward. But to make it deliverable, we've got to help companies understand what that means for real in terms of what you do on Monday morning when you come into the office. Well, smaller businesses, they have less opportunities to invest into in-house solutions like EV and hydrogen-powered vans, you know, due to sheer cost, mileage limitations. So where should these businesses be looking to improve their logistics and cut their emissions? I'll start with uh, cutting emissions. I think, for example, it depends what I'd say it depends what their what their goal is, what their capabilities are at the moment um, and how they could try and then use that to segue themselves in. But to cut their emissions, let's say, for example, everyone gets their electricity from I believe it's the power grid, right? Power grid. And that's generated by carbon materials. So maybe they, they could start off with investing in maybe, let's say, solar panels so that they can get some of their electricity bit more sustainably, bit more, bit more of a renewable source of, of energy. I'd say that's that's one example they could go for for cutting their emissions. Uh, in terms of logistics, there's different parts and different um, sectors of logistics. So you have warehousing companies, you have courier companies, you have let's say the producers who will then send their goods to a warehouse, for example. There's different stages in the supply chain overall, and then logistics is basically just connecting each of those stages together. So. I'll speak about third-party courier services, uh, or let's say courier uh, services at the moment. The way they could try and reduce their emissions is, for example, using e-mobility bikes um, instead of cars, instead of petrol fuel cars for their deliveries, you know, bike cycles. They could use more more of those solutions as opposed to, you know, they don't have to go for the big electric vans or, you know, um, those types of uh, vehicles. They can just kind of cut back in terms of the size of the vehicle, scale down, yeah. yeah but have them uh, just run by electricity from the get-go. So yeah, bikes, scooters, however, there's a lot of regulations and stuff with scooters, but bikes, scooters, and, and things like that. That's, that's what I'd say they can do. What about you, David? How can we improve logistics um, and cut their emissions? You know, it's certainly the case that one size doesn't fit all for this. Different sorts of businesses have got very, very different logistics needs, and there's going to be lots of different products out there to serve those. Um, The first thing I would say is I I think things like electric vehicles and plug-in hybrid vehicles are actually quite affordable now to small businesses, and there are tax breaks in place to encourage them to take them up. So if your business needs are such that an electric vehicle will do the job, then then life is good. Um, It very much depends on what type of deliveries you're doing and whether you can do the range that you need and the charging that you need. Um, Of course, what you can do is look at whether you actually need the fleet of vehicles you've got today. Do you need that size of vehicle? Do you need that number of vehicle? Do you need to be doing as many journeys as are there? Could you consolidate consignments into single um, shipments rather than having multiple vans moving around the place? I think what Ade and Kumi referred to with uh, the rise of what we call micromobility, so things like electric cargo bikes and so on, that's really interesting um, because then you can move away from one and a half ton or two ton vehicles to something that weighs a few hundred kilograms and runs on electricity. There's actually legislation going through Parliament, hopefully in the next session, which will also allow for a wider range of those kinds of micromobility vehicles to be in the market and to be used legally. And that's a real opportunity. I guess the hardest thing is if you're the type of business that ships goods very long distances in 40 ton trucks, there just aren't a lot of solutions out there for that. You know, electric and hydrogen are proposed, um, but they're certainly not a game for a small business to play. It's very expensive. It's quite experimental. It needs loads of infrastructure. Uh, there are big companies, big logistics providers trialing those. And I guess small companies could engage with them, uh, but it probably isn't something I'd advise a small company to go out and try today. 
Is the use of autonomous delivery solutions affordable to small businesses or is this an infrastructure solution that we'll see carried out by, you know, logistic companies in the future? For now, uh, into the near future, I'd say mostly big companies at the moment, most definitely. They have the funds for it um, available. Later down the line, autonomous uh, technology, autonomous vehicles, they'll definitely become more affordable, I guess, for um, smaller businesses. But it's tricky for smaller businesses, isn't mm. it? Because we're in the fuel crisis, cost of living crisis, and they're, they're penny pinching. They're it's just true. trying to survive. It's true. Um, it, it, it is very true. I mean, in that case, um, you know, in, in order for a small business to try and get ahead or try and get their foot in the game, I'd say they need to be collaborating uh, or partnering with the larger companies, you know, the suppliers, the manufacturers who have that technology. You know, it could be uh, d- different types of partnerships that they could probably do. For example, they could participate in grant-funded projects where they can get a pool of money in order to execute certain operations or certain parts of the R&D so that they can have the IP in um, in their own autonomous technology, autonomous vehicles as well. But as well as that, it may be beneficial for them to approach uh, autonomous vehicle manufacturers, negotiate a partnership in some way, maybe exchange for some equity or a merger of some sort where your operations would then um, be able to include some of their technology maybe for a discounted price or a share of the revenue, share of the profits, for example. But yeah, there's a, I, I, there's a couple of ways for some smaller businesses to get their hands on it. So you're saying it's collaborate, collaborating? Yeah, essentially. Going back to the, yeah, the collaboration part, when it comes to these technologies, there's just so many different parts to it that probably one company wouldn't want to do every single aspect of it anyway because you're probably, A, you probably don't have the manpower or the expertise and it's probably just better to specialise a little bit more in one which brings the cost down and that helps all of you so if you you know focus on that part of the tech i focus on this part of the tech we're both going to need it we need it to push the uh you know society forward anyway which is going to benefit both of us so it's definitely worth it rather than you everyone trying to do their own thing which Mm. will be kind of a little bit more more wayward and yeah. you could actually move a lot slower in terms of the whole industry and your business as well so so everyone makes and everyone gains yeah literally well, David, do you think it's the right time for businesses to be investing in sustainable delivery solutions now? You know, with the current cost of living crisis and, you know, money's tight. You know, what are your thoughts? In honesty, the best time to invest would have been about two years ago. Uh, that's not very helpful <laughs> advice, I guess. Um, but actually, you know, at that point in time, the, the grants and so on for reuptake of things like electric vehicles were higher than they are now. Having said that, the products themselves are getting cheaper. But there's no reason really to wait. Most of these solutions, you know, electric cars, plug-in hybrids, those kinds of things, they do save money as well as saving carbon, particularly with diesel prices as expensive as they are today. So whilst there is a higher capital cost to buy these vehicles, most of them, depending on how you use it, most of them are paying back within a year or two years. Um, So from a business decision perspective, the earlier the better. Technology is getting cheaper over time. And what that means is that it'll become more affordable for more businesses. Right now, electric vehicles are suitable for some businesses, uh, but not for everybody. The cheaper the technology gets, the more businesses will be able to take it up. And what about the infrastructure? Is that ready? You know, especially for smaller business owners. Um, And are there other investments and solutions that um, SMEs can make rather than, like you say, having your own EV fleet, for example? Yeah, so um, whether the infrastructure is good enough depends on how you use your vehicles. There are lots of organisations that have, you know, small fleets of vans that spend their night either in the warehouse or at the at the driver's house, and they travel a short enough distance that, frankly, if you charged it overnight, 
it would be able to do an entire day on a single charge. And you don't need to worry about infrastructure then, it's mm. just there. Clearly, if you're the kind of user that takes a vehicle and then loads it up with 40 tonnes of goods and drives it 500 miles down the country, then you really care what the infrastructure looks like along the national highways. And it's good and it's getting better. It, whether it's good enough to be a commercial solution, I think is questionable. It very much depends which part of the country you're in. And that's improving over time, of course. Uh, but it is, it's all about how do you use the vehicle and where do you use the vehicle? But actually, infrastructure isn't the biggest uh, setback for most organisations. A lot of companies can use this just using the infrastructure in place around them today. You know, the infrastructure depends about what you're, what you're actually trying to kind of deliver. And you wouldn't know that unless you have a close relationship with, you know, your clients or, or, yeah, or customers, etc., which small businesses would have that advantage to be able to kind of optimise what they're doing a lot more um, rather than just have a general-based solution, which is just very inefficient and, you know, not, not very lean, you could say. Well, if a company is on a budget, you know, they're penny-pinching, they're thinking about, you know, how they're going to stay afloat and stuff, what actionable advice would you give to those owners looking to improve their logistics mm. and their environmental impact when money is tight? Yeah, I'd say in the short term, the biggest thing that people can do is look at what their delivery schedules are. It's about can you combine loads? Can you minimise the number of trips? Can you use the same trip to do a pickup as well as a delivery? Just minimise the amount of travel that you've got to do. And it's a no regrets decision. That's something that you can, it's not to do with fuel price or it's driven by fuel price now, but it's always a benefit. You're never going to be suffering as a result of that. Uh, You can also be thinking as you're replacing the stock of vehicles that you've got today, what decisions you're making going forward. Don't just buy the same as you had last time because it worked last time. The technology's moved on uh, and there are some really good options coming up at the moment. Um, I guess if you're looking much longer term, and I think that is a really good point that was made earlier on, is don't just think about what you're doing today. Think about what options you're opening up and what options you're shutting down with the decisions that you make today, because it's very easy to do short term things that feel great. um, But actually, in a couple of years time, you could live to regret them. The world is moving to a scenario where energy prices are likely to remain high for a while. And not only that, but with a net zero carbon agenda coming forward, companies are starting to really care about how much carbon is embedded in their products, Mm. including from the logistics. And eventually governments are going to have to act by doing things like putting cross-border carbon taxation in place or taxing carbon from logistics. So decisions that are made now that take you towards a low carbon or a sustainable future are ones that you're unlikely to regret. Whereas if you're buying a truck with a 20-year lifetime, you really want to think about the environment that's going to be operating 20 years from now. Well, David, I mean, there's lots to navigate and you work with new age entrepreneurs. So what advice would you give them when they need to find research and advice? Where should they go? There's a whole ecosystem out there, depending on what they're wanting to do, whether it's products, whether it's services, whether it's manufacturing. So, for instance, the Caspolt network that we're part of is great if you're looking at manufacturing. Um, If you're looking at services, if you're looking at um, networks and things, you've got people like the Energy Systems Catapult, you've got Connected Places Catapult, and lots of local government organisations have got signposting routes there. So you can basically phone up your local growth hub and they'll explain who you ought to talk to to be able to get the right grants or do the right kind of development programmes. It's not an easy thing to navigate as a small business. Uh, It's quite complicated, but there are organisations out there to help. And David, if business owners are listening now and they're thinking, is sustainable investment worth it? What would you say? What's the alternative? Um, If you look very simply, see what your shareholders are saying, see what the government's saying, see what the policy is doing. All of it is moving towards sustainability. It's becoming increasingly difficult for companies to get investment if they don't have a clear path to net zero in the longer term future and if they're not thinking sustainably today. Well, finally, on that positive note, 
which is very inspiring. Um, and this is to all of you. Do you have one key piece of advice for the listeners to take away when it comes to sustainability in business? David, let's go to you first. Take it seriously. It's as simple as that. Um, your investors are going to be looking for it. The regulatory environment around you is changing and your cost base will change according to sustainability. It's not something that you can put off for another day, I'm afraid. You need to start planning for it now. Okay, the time is now. I'd say um, if you try and think about how you can partner with other larger companies, maybe companies that are even uh, the same size as you, but are working on something different that maybe you can benefit from. It's all about collaboration. It's all about network. You have to make sure you know certain people that can get you into the right frame of mind or into the right thinking or the right direction for your business. But never be afraid to approach bigger, more established players, especially when you're going through your journey, because more than likely they've been through the same uh, same stages, same problems, and they can help you out along the way as well. So be open, be collaborative, just be ready to get yourself out there and speak to more people and more players. If you scratch my back? I scratch yours, literally. <laughs> Thank you, Kumi, Ade and David. And also thanks to you for joining this episode of the show. Now, there's still loads to come in our sustainability special, so please follow and subscribe. And if today's episode has inspired you, head to our website to find more insights and potential solutions that could help you take action today. Until next time.